Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. tracking with us for a little bit in this series. We're in a series called Good for My Soul. Uh, And tonight we're going to kind of take a seemingly left turn, right? And so last week we had some guests with us. They did a great job. And, uh, but, but tonight I'm going to teach you how to hold hands awkwardly with each other, just like this video. That was a joke. Just kidding. Tonight we're going to talk about singleness, singleness. Everybody say, ooh, or ooh. Okay. That's great too. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we're going to talk about singleness tonight, but before we get going, I want to give you three disclaimers, right? Some of you guys know me, some of you don't, but the first disclaimer I want to give you is I want to tell you that I am pro-marriage. You're like, okay, good to know. But what I mean by that is like, I, I want to be married one day. Like I'm, I'm a fan of marriage. In fact, I'm the product of an amazing marriage. We've got a picture here. Look at it. That's my parents. Look at them. They in love, man. Like, you ever, like, do your parents ever talk about, like, holding hands and kissing around you? It's, like, too much? That's, that's these guys. Anyway, but the point I'm trying to make here, I think sometimes when we talk or when you hear me talk about singleness as we go through the night, you'll be like, does this dude even care about marriage? Is he, like, a he-man woman-hater club? Like, what is going on? And that's, <laughs> that's not me. I wanted you to know that I'm pro-marriage and I'm the product of one, and that's part of what shapes how I live my life because I know what marriage could and should look like in a godly way. So that's disclaimer number one. The second disclaimer I want to tell you is I am single. I'm not telling you that to be weird. I'm just telling you that (laughs) because for me, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about singleness in the church, like from the platform, from the stage, who was actually single. You know what I'm talking about? It's like some guy who's been married for 20 years. He met his wife when he was 12, and now they have, <laughs> yeah, right, and they, they have 20 kids now. And he's like, man, singleness is awesome. Just embrace it. And I'm like, what do you, how do you even know, you know? You've never been single. Anyway, and so I tell you that to tell you this, like everything that we're going to walk through tonight, like I'm drinking the same Kool-Aid that I'm trying to give you a cup of. You know what I'm saying? Like I use what we're talking about tonight, and God uses that to minister to me daily right? So if, if I come off like super aggressive or whatever, I'm talking to myself and you. Does that make sense? And then thirdly, the, the third disclaimer that I want to give you about singleness is it's super important. It's super important. Uh, I would say, forgive me, I don't have a statistic on this, but I would say one of the biggest idols in the big C church, I'm not just talking about like this church, I'm talking about church in general, is we love to talk about marriage. And we love to talk about family. Those are gifts from God. Those are good things, amen? But, but they're not the main thing. And so I think sometimes singleness gets a bad rap, right? It's like, hey, let me help you survive until your life begins in marriage, right? <laughs> that's how we feel a lot of times. And that's honestly how we talk about singleness. It's like, hey, let me help these people get by in life until everything begins when they get married. And that's just not true. And, and I would argue, and I'm gonna argue tonight, that's not even biblical, right? And so those are the, third, the, the three disclaimers. Uh, but before we get going, I, can I, let me just pray for us and our time, and then we'll, we'll keep rolling. Father, thank you so much um, just for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. And I just thank you for all the things that you've done in all of our lives just to get us in this room, like in this moment, like, like you're good. 
Um, I, I thank you for the person that came here tonight that didn't think they would come. Thank you for that. Um, I thank you for the person that came here tonight that knew they would come. Um, thank you for that as well. Lord, Lord, I pray tonight that you would like remove me from this stage and would your word be what is communicated? Would your Holy Spirit just meet us here where we're at, Father? Um, and I pray that you would just give us ears to hear your truth, your word. And Father, give us feet to obey it. It's not enough to just hear. We wanna be doers of the word, right? So help us to put into action the things that you're teaching us tonight. Um, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Okay, so a little bit about me that I think is helpful for you to hear. So one of um, like the things I love is story, like stories. I love telling stories. If you know me enough, like I'm always telling stories. And for whatever reason, the Lord has blessed me with a lot of really unique stories and experiences, right? Just anytime something crazy happens, you just be like, man, that's a great story one day. So that, that's what happens to me. And I would love to kick off our night by just telling one of the craziest stories I got. So imagine this, before I moved to Kansas City, several years ago, I lived in the Amazon jungle crazy. I know everyone has that story. Anyway, living in the Amazon jungle, I was a missionary there for a couple of years. And really our goal, our mission, so to speak, was to help make contact with uncontacted tribes um, deep in the, the jungle. And so if you can picture this, there's a lot of details behind this, but I'll just kind of cut to it. Basically my first jungle trip out, we're going to go live for like four months in this village, but to get there, it takes us a couple like probably four days on boat to get to this place. So it's myself, my partner, and his wife. So it's like the three amigos, we jump in the boat and we're ready to rock, right? Um, I don't know if you've spent like hours and hours on a boat, right? But like after like two hours, it's the most boring thing you've ever been a part of. <laughs> like, it's just like, what do we do? We didn't bring cards, you know? And so I, I get divinely inspired, so I think, and I remember like Jesus fell asleep in the boat with his disciples and I'm thinking, here I am, such a time, your boy's gonna take a nap. And I, so I did, right? And so I'm sleeping at the front of this boat. Obviously I'm not driving it, but, and about two hours later, I wake up and I can see down the river, there's like two boats trying to like, almost like cut us off, it looks like, but I'm still like half asleep. So I'm like, oh, I guess this is normal. I'm new here, I don't know, you know? And as we approach, I can tell that there is about five men in each boat. And as we get closer, I can tell all of them are wearing masks and all of them have guns. I'm like, oh, this seems a little not normal, right? And as, as they, we meet up with them, they all scream at us and say, hey, give us your money right now or we're gonna kill you right here in this river. And it's at that moment that I realized, I think these are like river pirates, what? <laughs> and so they, they jump on our bow and immediately I'm thinking like, man, y'all picked the wrong people to ride. Like we're missionaries, we ain't got no money, you know? <laughs> We're asking people for money. Anyway, and so they jump on our boat and like, I'm making a joke out of it, but this was serious, man. Like they're screaming at us. They have us lay on our bellies and like they have their guns in our backs and they are screaming like, hey, we're, we are gonna kill you like for real if you don't give us money. And so we're trying to explain to them like, hey, we don't have any money. Uh, you know, this is why, blah, 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 blah. And, and they, they don't believe us. And so what they decide to do is split us up. So they put one person in each boat and then all three boats go different directions. And so I, I find myself in this boat with, you know, four or five of my new pirate friends here. And I really, honestly, I remember thinking like, oh wow, this is, this is serious, right? Like I, uh, I'm not prepared for this. 
And uh, I remember thinking like, wow, I, I should pray. Like now is the time to pray. And you're thinking you're like, you know, duh. And uh, but that's real, honestly what I thought. I'm like, I should pray. And so I pray, God, would you help us, give us faith to know what to do? Like, do we jump out of the boat? Do I grab this guy's gun? Do I fight him? Do I give him a hug? I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I've never been here before, right? And so we pray. And then about 30 minutes later, we all meet back up in this, this cove together. And so it's like this cool moment where I'm like, oh, okay, great. My partners, like they're safe, at least for now. But also it's like, if, if they're gonna kill us, like it probably would be in this spot, right? And so it's this weird time, but the Lord answers our prayer. Like we, we get a spirit of boldness. And so we begin to tell these guys the gospel. So imagine this, they're like picking up our stuff and loading it onto their boat. And we're like, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. You're a sinner. You know, like, <laughs> like walking through the gospel with these guys and they're like listening, but also like, you know, lifting with the knees and like bringing all our stuff. And then we, we also, we get like another, like, I don't know, just wave of boldness. And we tell these guys, hey, just so you know, like you need to be really careful with this stuff, right? Because it actually doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, right? Total Jesus juke. And, uh, but what's crazy is this like really affected these guys. And so like a couple minutes later, they come up to us and they say, hey, um, like, like, we're sorry and would you forgive us? Like our family is starving. We don't have money to feed them. So we kind of have to do this. Um, but would you forgive us? And would you pray for us like right now? And we're like, yeah, we could do that. And so we, we pray with them and kind of make peace with them. And then it's like, okay, amen. And we're like, but, but you still have all of our stuff. You know, it's like, what happens next? And so we, we asked them, we said, hey, would you guys be willing to give us back at least some of our stuff so that we can go to where we're trying to get to and tell other people about Jesus. And they kind of talk it over and then they're like, yeah, we'd be willing to do that. So they like unload half of our stuff and bring it back to our boat and we make peace and then we all go separate ways. Crazy story, crazy story. The reason I tell you that story, and there's a, believe it or not, I've got crazier stories than that. It's, we don't have time for all that stuff. But um, you may not be able to relate with river pirates. I, I pray that you can't, right? I hope that's not something you're like, me too, let's talk. <clears throat> but I, I bet there is something in my life that we can all relate to. I would say my biggest fear in life, it's not river pirates, although that was honestly terrifying. I cope with humor, that's why I make it a joke, right? Um, and it's not like, honestly like, car bombs going off in the Middle East or you know, people getting thrown in jail that I love. All these things happen, has, have happened to me. My, the biggest fear in my life is wasting it, like wasting my life. Anybody else in here? Yeah, four of us, that's great. Yeah, but no, honestly, that, that's the biggest fear of, of my life. And, and I think that that's, honestly, I think that's okay. Like I think it's a good fear to have. Not all fears are bad, right? But um, I, I would even say like, this fear to, to not wanna waste my life could even be a biblical thing, right? Um, because the Bible talks through like how we wanna be stewards of the gifts we've been given, right? Like, and the biggest gift we've been given is the gift of life, right? And so to, I wanna steward that well. And so the opposite of stewarding that should give us fear, should give us anxiety, does that make sense? I don't wanna point us to 
where I'm getting this narrative from, where, where I'm getting this biblical principle. And just like I walked through our pirate story, tonight is gonna be full of stories. I wanna walk us through some stories that the Bible talks about and then pull out biblical truths to help us walk through what, what is the gift of singleness? What does this even mean? And how do we walk it out? How do we apply it? And so um, the, the first story I wanna talk us through or, or tell us is found in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, you can turn there. If you want, I'm gonna just walk us through it like a narrative. And so basically this is how the story goes. There's this really rich guy, right? There's this rich guy in the Bible and he's a landowner. He's got people working for him, uh, servants, all that stuff. And he gathers up three of his main dudes and he's like, hey, I'm about to be gone for a minute, like a long time. Before I leave, I wanna give you some gifts. I wanna entrust you with my money, essentially. And so the first servant, he gives five bags of money to, right? He's like, hey, here you go. Love you, bro. Do good. And then the next servant, he gives two bags of money to. And then the third servant, he gives one bag of money to. And then your boy, he loads up his bag. He's got his, you know, packable toothbrush. He goes to Cancun. I don't know where he goes, but he, he leaves, right? And, and the Bible says in this passage that he's gone for a really long time, like long enough for the guys to be like, I think this guy may be dead. <laughs> He's gone a long time, right? And then after a long time, sure enough, he returns. So the landlord, the landowner, he returns, the master returns, it says. And so he throws a big celebration and he's like, hey, let me, let me bring my guys back together and see what they did with the, the gift that I gave them, the investment that I gave them. I wanna hold them accountable to that. And so sure enough, all three guys come to the party, right? And they all line up. Uh, and so one by one, the, the first guy that he gave five bags to, he says, hey, master, so glad that you're back. You look great, love your tan, you know, love the neck tattoo, no regrets or whatever you got going on. You look great. Here, you gave me five bags of money and I invested them like immediately. And, and, and I actually doubled my money. Like I doubled the investment. And so now I have 10 bags. I wanna give those back to you. And the master's like, wow, well done. Like my good and faithful servant, the Bible says, you have been faithful with just a couple bags of money. I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come, let's celebrate, right? It's awesome, high five. And then the next servant comes up, does the same thing. He says, master, so glad that you're back. Uh, love the hair, whatever. And uh, you gave me two bags of money and immediately I invested them, right? And I actually doubled my investment as well. And so now I have four bags to give back to you. And again, the master says the same thing, basically. Like, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with just a couple of things, just some little things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come with me, let's celebrate, right? Let's go party. And then lastly, the, the last servant comes up. You know, he thinks he's got this figured out by now. And so he says, master, glad that you're back. Good to see you. Um, you gave me one bag of, of money. And to be honest, I, I was fearful of that, I really didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so what I did is I took that money, took the bag you gave me, and immediately I buried it in the ground. I buried it in the ground. But when I heard you were back in town, I found a place where I buried it, you know, unpacked it, and, and here it is, you know, like, let me dust all the dust off of it for you. And this is a different response that the master gives uh, to this guy. He says, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. If you were so fearful that you couldn't hold on to the gift or you couldn't accept the gift, why didn't you at least invest it and put it in the bank? If you'd have put it in the bank, I could have drawn interest on this money, right? And at least by, I've been gone so long that I could have doubled my money if you'd have just done that. You didn't have to touch it. You could put it in the bank, but you buried it. 
you almost rejected the gift that I gave you. And so because of that, I'm gonna take this money from you and I'm gonna give it to the guy who has 10 bags, right? Because he's faithful with the things that I've gave him. In fact, you're fired right now. And so that's, that's the end of the story. And I know what you're thinking, like, is this a story on like economics? Like, what are we, where are we going with this? Um, and here's, here's where we're going tonight, just to let you know, right? Number one, we're gonna talk about singleness. Why is singleness a gift? And I promise we're gonna get there. And then two, how do we leverage it? How do you leverage the gift of singleness? And then three, there's an opportunity to go all in with the gift that you've been given, right? we're gonna walk through that. So point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one, if you're taking notes, is singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. Um, If you're anything like me, immediately when I hear that phrase, I think, not for me, right? Like, is it a gift or is it a curse? Because it kind of feels more like a curse or like a death sentence, right? Uh, I grew up in church most of my life. And so if, if you're anything like me, you, you hear this term gift of singleness uh, or like the, the, the meaning of singleness and you're kind of just like, man, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That sounds super weird. In fact, I wanna teach you like a Greek phrase tonight. Maybe it's Hebrew, I'm not sure. It's called goober. Goober, turn to your neighbor and say goober, goober. This is what I think of when I think about someone who has the gift of singleness. I think of a goober, right? A goober is somebody that literally a spouse could fall out of heaven and just smack them right in the face and somehow they would do a spin move and get out of it, right? It's like, no, you ain't getting me. That's a goober, you know what I'm saying? We all know, don't look at anyone, but we all know who in our mind is a goober. And, and this is honestly what I, I thought of when I thought about the gift of singleness. I'm like, more like a curse, am I right? This ain't no gift, right? Uh, or I also thought about it like this, like anyone have like an aunt that loves you to death but doesn't really know you that well, right? And so like come Christmas time, she's like, hey, I got you this sweater from this crazy place you would never shop at. Here you go. And it's like a crop top at this, it's like, it doesn't even fit you, it's horrible. Uh, and you're like, oh my gosh, Aunt May, thank you so much. Like, do you, do you, do you have, the, have the receipt? Just in case it doesn't fit, right? Like, <laughs> I need to take this back. Oh, 50 bucks, sweet. You know, like that, that's how we view. Honestly, though, that's how a lot of us view this gift of singleness. We're like, man, I can't wait to, to return this and get another gift out of it. Uh, but that's not how God sees it, right? But I, I would tell you this, my, my perspective on singleness shifted several years ago. Um, uh, I think it was like four or five years ago, one of my buddies reached out to me and he said, hey, would you be willing to like speak um, like up in Portland is where this guy lived to a, to a group of young adults? Um, we would love to have you come out. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to. What, what do you want me to, to teach on? Good question to ask, right? And uh, he was like, I would love for you to walk us through the gift of singleness. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, I don't, like, I don't have that gift. So like, I can study it and like, I can work, th- you know, I'll do the research. Um, but like, that's, I may not be the best person. Cause like, I, I deeply want to be married one day. I would love to be a dad one day. Like, so I, and like, I hope that I am like, so it's not, I don't know that that really is the gift that I have, but yeah, like I'll research it. I'll study it. And sure. I got, so I told him, yes, like I'll do it. <laughs> Well, as I'm like doing my research and preparing for that talk, I kind of have this like existential crisis. You know, I'm like, okay, if he asked me to, if I'm being asked to give the talk on singleness, like what if, like what if I have the gift of singleness, you know? What if I'm a goober, you know? Like, like what does this mean? 
And, uh, and so as I'm, I'm working through the text, um, and I'll, I'll share a story here in a little bit, um, but, but basically what I realized is, is you can have a deep desire, like a deep desire to be married one day. That's a good thing. And you can have a deep desire to be a dad one day or be a mom one day. That's a, also a really good thing. All those things are gifts from the Lord, right? They're good things, but they're not the main thing. But you can have all those things and still be single, still have the gift of singleness, right? They don't null each other out, nullify each other, right? So that's kind of the, the place that I came to. And I feel like this is a, this is a biblical, I know this is a biblical principle. Uh, so the next story I wanna talk us through is about this guy named Paul. You may have heard about Paul if you've been tracking uh, with the church game for a little bit, but Paul basically, Paul was the man. So in the New Testament, Paul, um, originally his story starts off like this, like he, he was passionate about the Jewish faith and protecting it from Christianity. And so he would go around and, and murder Christians or even like if we were meeting like this, he would break up the meeting and to put an end to it, right? He's not about any of that stuff. Until one day, Paul meets Jesus, right? He meets Jesus and this relationship changes his life so much that the rest of his life, he does a 180. And so Paul became passionate about two things. Um, Paul was passionate, number one, about knowing Christ, knowing Jesus, like intimately. Paul never got married that we know of. So Paul was single, right? And so he talks a lot about just like the relationship he has with Christ. So that was the first thing he was passionate about. And the second thing he was passionate about was making Christ known. And so he went from trying to persecute the church, destroying the church, so this brother, wherever he went, churches just sprang up, right? And uh, one of the churches, one of the places that he visited uh, was called Corinth. And what would happen, he would go to a place like Corinth and tell people about the gospel of Jesus, tell, him about, tell them about the relationship he has with Jesus. And people would say, hey, I, I want that. Like, I, I wanna be a part of that. And a church would form, right? But here's, here's what I love about it. It's not like he stayed there for like 20 years and like answered every question and immediately everything got figured out. Like he would give them the basics, the big rocks, and then he'd go to the next town and do the same thing. And then the next town, like this dude, he was on the roll, he was on the move. <laughs> so we have a lot of letters of people, like these towns are writing back to Paul being like, hey, we got some questions, man. <laughs> how's this work? You know, how's that work? And one of the main questions that people had from this place called Corinth was this issue of marriage and singleness. And so they, they write to Paul, this guy, and we're like, hey, we, we noticed that, that you yourself are single, right? And, and we see you as someone worth like following, worth emulating, because you, you know Christ really well. And like, we, we desire that, right? And so our question is like, should, what should we do? If we're married, does that mean we should, should we call it off? Like, <laughs> what do we do here, right? Or like, we have a lot of single people in our congregation, should, should we tell them not to get married? Like, well, how, or should we try to get them to marry people? Well, we don't know, like we're new here, right? We don't know what to do. And, and basically, Paul's response is all throughout the book of, of Corinthians. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 7 talks about this. He says, I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God, one kind or another. So, so basically what Paul is saying is like, hey, both are good. Like if you're married, awesome. Praise God for that. Like if you have a family, that's amazing. That's a gift from God, right? But if you're single, like I am, that's also amazing. And that also is a gift. So one isn't better than the other. 
And that's really where we get this phrase, the gift of singleness. If you ever wonder like, why do people call it that? It doesn't seem like a gift. That's where that phrase comes from. Uh, that phrase comes from. So we've established that it is a gift. And I think the next thing we should probably try to establish is who has this blessed gift, right? And so I'm gonna make this really simple for us. I think we spend a lot of time in the church, I'm not saying this is bad, but we spend a lot of time in church like really agonizing over like, what's God calling me to do? Like, you know, what should, should I move here? Should I do this? All these things. Am I supposed to be, you know, a prophet? I don't know. All these things. There's books on that. I'm gonna make this one really simple. So uh, tonight, if you came in here tonight married, meaning like you're in a covenantal relationship with another human being, I want you to raise your hand. Okay. Okay. All four of us. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone else. So you could be engaged. You could be seriously dating. Uh, you could, this could be your first date tonight. Awesome first date, by the way. Or, or you could just be single as a Pringle. You know what I'm saying? I want you to raise your hand. It should be everyone else, right? Yeah, eyes up here. I don't want anyone. Don't be scoping the field, man. Right up here. Yeah, that's right. Oh, is that a promise ring? Anyway. <clears throat> so if you raised your hand for that last question, meaning you're not married, I wanna congratulate you. You have the gift of singleness. You do. Yeah, go ahead, give it to up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it was the married person that clapped first, I'm not sure. <laughs> Interesting to know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it's that simple, right? Just kind of back to my story. Like for a long time I was like, I ain't got that gift because I'm not a goober or whatever I thought in my mind, right? Or it's because of my strong desire to be married that I don't have the gift, right? That's not how it works. The fact of the matter is right now, you're not married. And so you have a gift right now. You have a gift from the Lord, but you gotta decide what you're gonna do with it, right? You gotta decide what you're gonna do with it. And it doesn't mean like this is a death sentence. <laughs> like, okay, I, uh, this guy asked me out and I probably should tell him no, because I have the gift. You know, it's like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean it would be forever, right? You could get married tomorrow. Like you might be engaged and you're supposed to get married this weekend. But up until then, you have the gift of singleness. Think about that. How would you leverage that for the next couple of days? You won't ever be able to leverage it again that way. Interesting. Singleness, I think, is important to talk through like we're doing tonight because we don't know if everyone will get married in this room. We don't know. I, I, would, I would bet most of us probably will. But here's what we do know. Everyone will go through a season of singleness in your life, period. You're not born married, right? You're born single, right? Might everyone agree? Cool. <clears throat> so we've talked about, uh, we wanna be good stewards of what the gifts God gives us, right? That was kind of the fear of wasting our gifts or wasting our life. Uh, and we've talked about how most of us in this room, we have the gift of singleness, right? Uh, and now I wanna talk to us about how do you leverage that? How do you leverage that? Um, <clears throat> going back to that story, right, with the, the bags of money, the servants, some of the servants invested it, some of the servants buried it, right? I wanna give us three points uh, or three takeaways of how we can leverage the gift that we've been given. And for most of us, that's the gift of singleness tonight, right? So the first way that you can really leverage the gift of singleness is you gotta accept it. You gotta accept it. Um, Part of the problem, remember that third guy that only got the one bag of money, he buried it in the ground? Part of the problem with him is he never really accepted the gift. 
You tracking with me? He, he never really wanted anything to do with it. In fact, imagine this, like he, he was given something and then immediately he buried it in the ground and stepped away, stepped away. And only until he heard someone was coming back did he even get the other bag. Does that make sense? And so part of you leveraging your gift of singleness is you have to accept it. You have to accept it. Part of, part of what this looks like, at least for me in my life, um, it's something I call the lie of discontentment, the lie of discontentment, uh, or maybe the temptation of discontentment makes more sense. But basically it goes like this, like <clears throat> it's really easy for me as a single person to think, man, I would love to be married. That would be so cool. Be like my mom and dad and like have a life partner, right? Somebody to like have inside jokes with, somebody to, to pray with, somebody that's got my back even when I be saying dumb stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's right. And it's like, I'm not right, but or someone to do ministry with, someone to read the Bible with, like, oh, that would be so, so cool. Maybe we could have a family and, and we, could, we could reach our neighborhood together, you know? We could host people at our house. Like, it's easy for me to go there because I see people doing that, right? And, and it's almost like, man, if, man, when that happens, I'll, I'll go all in. Like, I'd go all in with Jesus at that point. That's a lie. The, the lie that you're, you're feeding on right there is you're, being, you're okay with being discontent. You're normalizing discontentment in your life. That's what you're doing. And, and here's what's crazy, think about this. So let's say right now you're single, so most of us. Um, and then a couple years from now you get married. Let's say one year from now you get married. But all up until then you've been frustrated that you're single. You've been discontent that you're single. You've been almost waiting for your life to begin because you have a deep desire to be married, deep desire to be a mom, deep desire to be a dad and you get married, what do you think the first temptation that Satan is gonna lay on your plate when you get married is? It's gonna be the same temptation you've been feeding on most of your life, discontentment. Think about that. So really you're setting the foundation for how you're gonna respond to sin right now as a single person. You don't think that stuff carries into marriage? Come on now, you know it does, right? So, so the lie of discontentment, that's why 50% this is crazy. 50% of all marriages end in divorce, whether you're a Christian or not. No, that's not an exciting statistic. But I would, I would wager that part of it is because of this. Part of it is because we have conditioned ourselves to be okay with discontentment, right? And so that's when it gets into marriage, we become discontent as well. So part of how you need to leverage the gift is you gotta accept it. You wage war against discontentment by accepting the reality that right now, I'm single and that's good. God isn't like your aunt that doesn't know you very well. He gave you a gift because it's the one that you need, right? He knows you better than you know yourself. Before you were knit together in your mother's womb, he knew you by name. Think about that. Nobody else in this world can say that about you. And here's what's wild. No one else in heaven knows you better or will be more excited to see you one day than the Lord. And he's the one, the maker of all the universe that said, I'm gonna give you this gift right now. That's pretty cool. So you gotta, you gotta accept the gift. <clears throat> and then next, the next thing you need to do to leverage this gift of singleness is you gotta invest it. You gotta invest it, right? Um, we saw this in that, in that story in Matthew, right? The first two guys, when they got the bag of money, <laughs> just bury it in the ground, they invested it, right? So for them, it was like they tried to do some Bitcoin deal. I don't know what they did, but they doubled their money, right? 
Uh, and so how do we invest our gift of singleness? Of singleness. Here, here's, here's the number one way I would tell you you can invest that gift. It's abiding with Christ, abiding with Christ. And I know you're like, man, that doesn't really fire me up. Well, it should, it should, and here, here's why. <clears throat> so, so think about this. Most of us spend more time as a single person, you spend more time on average worrying about who you're gonna date, who you're gonna marry, where you're gonna live, how my hair looks, you know, what my profile picture is on Christian Tingle or whatever it's called, <laughs> right? You spend more time or like, man, I gotta make sure this person likes me, like all that stuff. You spend more time on those relationships than you do on the relationship that you've already been given. And it's the relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the only relationship that's gonna last for an eternity. Think about that. There won't be marriage in heaven. I'm not, again, remember my disclaimer, I'm pro-marriage, I'm not anti. But I'm telling you, like we've spent so much of our effort and time and money and energy and, and sleepless nights and tears about relationships that aren't gonna be in heaven, right? We were made to know Christ and make Christ known. Anything that happens in between there, that's a gift from God, but it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it's not the main thing, right? So I want you to think about that. So um, part of how you invest the gift is you, you need to abide with the Lord and cultivate an intimate relationship with him. No one can feel your heart the way that God can. That's by design. So marriage won't fill you up. Dating won't fill you up. Kids won't fill you up. And, and I would, if we brought any married person up here, they would be like, marriage is awesome, but he's right. And you can ask any married person that, and they would back me up on that. Um, uh, something, if, if you're a guy in this room, I want you to take out a pen right now. If you don't have a pen, ask your neighbor. I'm not kidding. Go ahead. I'm speaking to the men because I am a man. So I feel like I have, I can get away with it. Uh, women, you can write this down too. This, this is one of my life verses. It goes like this, Psalm 73, 25. Psalm 73, 25. The first part of it starts like this. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? Right, this is my version. Whom have I in heaven but you? And basically that's, that's iterating the point that I just made. That in heaven, when we get to heaven, if you know Christ, you know who's gonna be the most excited for us to be there? You know who's gonna give us the biggest hug? You know who's gonna rejoice? that is like so excited that it's almost uncomfortable, it's not gonna be your mama. It's gonna be Jesus. Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? That's a fact, that's a truth to remind yourself. And this second part of this verse, it's not a truth for me, but it's my ambition, right? It's my aim as I live on this world, this earth. Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? This I desire you more than anything on this earth or this world has nothing I desire. Think about that. That's not true <laughs> of my life. Like I want it to be true, but there's a lot of things I desire in this world. You know what I'm talking about? Like I desire, like we've already talked about, I desire to be married, I desire to be a husband. I desire to be a dad. Um, I desire to like one day, like maybe have a house. That'd be nice. You know, like I desire to have my car back right now. It's, it got towed. Anyway, there's a lot of desires that I have right? <clears throat> but ultimately all those things are going to fade away. And my dad says it like this all the time. Whenever I'm frustrated about something, he's like, Hey man, that's good. I get that. That's frustrating. In a hundred years, do you think that'll matter? I'm like, oh, 
no. <laughs> you know, like, that's a great perspective of like, is this an eternal issue? Man, most of the time it's not. So think about that. As men, I want you to remember that verse. Whom have I in heaven but you? This world has nothing that I desire. Um, could, could you say that? Or are you even striving towards that goal? Um, <clears throat> so we've talked about how to invest uh, by abiding. Uh, lastly, I want to I talk about how to invest by this thing called risk, right? Risk. You got to risk it. So when we're talking about investments in general, right, there's a risk. That's why like not everyone does it because you're like, maybe I don't get my money back, right? <laughs> Anyone ever done that? Yeah, me too. But risk in terms of your singleness, the gift of singleness, this is where the risk factor comes in. It's easy for us to think, okay, Jason, I hear what you're saying. If I spend my life, if I recalibrate and my aim and my focus is number one, accepting the gift that I have right now, singleness, and then number two, leveraging it, right? I'm gonna abide with Christ. I'm gonna go all, I'm gonna cultivate intimacy with my Lord and Savior, right? I'm gonna be in his word. I'm gonna be in prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for him. The fear is, what, what if I do that? I'm, I'm so focused on that over here and I totally miss my spouse, totally miss her. And so the fear, the risk that you feel, or at least that I feel at times, I would imagine you would too, is that if I'm so locked in and embracing this gift, I'll never get married. Anybody feel like that? Just me? That's cool. No, the reality, that's why we're all quiet, because we all feel that. That is the fear, right? Uh, that's why we're obsessed with relationship series, <laughs> because we, we want to be married. That's a fear of ours. Um, <clears throat> but I want to tell you a story <clears throat> of my life of how the Lord gave me an opportunity to risk it and, and really how it paid off. Uh, so <clears throat> before I moved to Kansas City, I actually worked in Texas, the great nation, the greatest nation in the world. Amen. Okay, maybe not. Wrong crowd. <laughs> anyway, in Texas, people love that joke. Anyway, so I worked on a ranch in Texas and it was awesome, y'all. It was like a dream job of mine. Uh, and I got to come up here one week. Uh, I visited Chad and I didn't know Chad that well at the time, but I was blown away by what God was doing here and, and how people were working hard to keep up with what he was doing, uh, what God was doing. And uh, so I went back to Texas and started doing my job again. And I woke up one morning and I realized like I was more than what I had become. You ever been there? Like all the gifts God had given me, all the experiences like, you know, jungle pirates, like seeing God move in difficult situations, um, like the foundation of my family, like having a godly mom and dad, like all these gifts that I've been given, all the investment that I put into my life, I really felt like I was just burying it in the ground. That's what I felt like. And so God was gracious enough to say, hey, why don't you move? Why don't you change what you're doing? Not that God, God would use in my time there. I'm not saying like if you work at a ranch, that's not, you're not advancing the kingdom. But I feel like the Lord was saying, okay, you ready? Like, let's, let's lay it all out. Let's lay it on the line. And so I'm, I quit my job, moved to Kansas City at age 30 uh, with a master's degree. And I got a job with a landscaping company. Shout out State Lawn, where you at? That's right, there you go, baby. Um, and, and not to like be part owner, not to like 
not even to be a mower. Like I wasn't even the dude on the thing. I was a weed eater. You, your boy was out here with a stick and like a little thing at the end, just weed whacking. You know what I'm saying? That's me. Yeah, you know. Um, but it was also huge risk, right? Because like, dude, you, if you tell people that story, it's like, man, were you on drugs? Like, what were you, like, what were you thinking? Did you pray through that? Like, but I did that because I felt like the Lord was calling me up here. Like, I wanted to leverage this season of my life, right? I wanna go and be a part of what God was doing at this church, right? And so I would eat weeds all day and then volunteer up at the church, my little hiney off. If, the, if we were doing it, I was a part of it and, and I loved it. Um, and here's what's crazy. About four months into that, like they approached me and said, hey, would you consider coming on staff at Abundant Life and working with our groups department and our missions department? And I was like, yeah, let me pray about that. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, of course. Um, and, and I've got to be a part of some amazing things. I've been here for about two years and man, the Lord has taken that risk, the investment that I put in my life to uproot my life and change every, Chad was the only dude I knew and I didn't even know him that well. Uh, I moved up here to be a part of what God was doing. And the greatest joy of my life that I've discovered is figuring out where God's moving and doing everything you can to keep up with it. There is no greater joy. There is no more exciting. There's no better adventure than that. And I've got to be a part of really the Lord shifting the culture in our church. Like we are a missions focused church now. We've got to be a part of a thing called Live Sent in our city where thousands of people from our church get to hear and impact different cultures in our city that don't know about Jesus. They don't know the story of the gospel. Um, it's been awesome. And I've also been a part of a lot of, of people in our church that are saying, hey, I'm all in. I'm gonna risk it for the gospel and I'm moving myself and my family to the ends of the earth where the gospel is not known, right? That guy that introed me, he's one of them. So it's exciting to be a part of those things. And, and God has quadrupled. Well, I'm not talking about doubling my investment. He's quadrupled my investment. And it's been the joy of my life, the joy of my life. So in review, do you have the gift? Most of us do. Are you leveraging the gift? I gave you some handles on how to do that. The last thing I wanna talk to you about is, is what's holding you back. Like what's holding you back? Uh, I'll share this story with us. It, it comes from Mark chapter 10. And what happens in this story, Jesus is actually the one that tells this parable, this story. And uh, it says this, there was a, a rich young ruler, the Bible calls him, and he, he comes to Jesus. This, this guy had lots of money. He probably was married in that day. Like if you're, if you're a rich young ruler, like basically you got it made. Like you got a house, you got a car, you got a camel. I don't know what they had. And then you've got a spouse, right? and lots of money, and so he's a follower of Jesus. So he comes to Jesus and says, hey, teacher, I've been following your teachings, um, but I, what, what else do I lack? Like, give me something else that I can grow in, right? And Jesus says, hey, hey, well done. Like, I see, I see what you've done, like, good job. But there is one thing that you lack, and, and the thing that you lack is sell everything that you own and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Come and follow me. Um, and then Mark 10, it says, at this, the man's face fell and he went away very sad because he had many possessions, <laughs> many possessions. This guy missed it and he was wasting his life. He had a lot of things, everything on his checklist he had accomplished, all of his goals he had accomplished. But you see, he was focused on the wrong things. He wasn't focused on the mission, right? <clears throat> and so, our last point tonight, point number three, 
or excuse me, um, what is holding you back? Point number three is the invitation of a lifetime. The invitation of a lifetime. Can you imagine if Jesus came up to you and said, hey, do this and come follow me? That's the invitation of a lifetime, right? But most of us, we're like this guy, this rich young ruler who would walk away sad because we're not willing to throw our stuff down at the feet of Jesus. And so let me ask you this paradigm, what, what is holding you back? What's holding you back? There could be a lot of things holding you back. There could be distractions in your life. There could be idols in your life, the idol of money, the idol of security, the idol of living close to your parents, right? Who knows what it is? Or, or maybe for a lot of us, it's, it's the idol of relationship, right? It's the idol of marriage. You're not willing to lay down a relationship at Jesus' feet to follow him because you're terrified about being single, right? And so I don't know who this is for tonight, um, but if you think it might be for you, it probably is. So some of us tonight, you need to break up. You need to break up. The reason you're in this relationship, it could be a dating relationship. It could even be an engagement. And it's gonna be the, one of the hardest things you ever do, but what you need to do is break up. Guys, you need to tell her, hey, the reason I'm in this relationship, I'm, I was focused on marriage. I'm not focused on the mission. And, and for at least for right now, we need to focus on our relationship with Christ, right? Girls, it could be this, like this guy, he's a great guy and he's led you to marriage, but he's not leading you to the mission of Christ and they're not the same thing. You need to find a man that's gonna do both, okay? And so what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Um, I wanna share this story with you. I've never shared this story before, but if, if this is you tonight, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be worth it. And this is how I know. So before I came back from the jungle, or when I came back from the jungle, back to the States, sorry, um, I fell in love. Like your boy, I was smitten, right? And uh, met this girl, she was awesome, and she loved the Lord, and like we, our relationship, it honored Christ. Like it was a God-honoring relationship. And uh, man, we were in love, like, and I wanted to be married, like not just in general, like to her, right? Like we talked about marriage. Uh, here's just like a side note. Relationships are always evolving. So guys, just keep that in mind. Um, and, and we went to premarital, premarital counseling and I picked out a ring and all these things and talked to her dad, all that stuff. And we were so excited. <clears throat> and as the, the days approached, uh, I, I just felt this unpeace in my heart. And, and I recognized, man, there was a, a focus issue for both of us, right? There was a heart issue. We were all in on marriage, but we couldn't be any further from the mission of God to, to know Christ and to make Christ known. And so it, it, it was the hardest thing I've probably ever had to do, but I had, I had to call it off with this girl. And it was devastating for everybody. There was no... There was no winner here uh, at the time, but he, here's how I know it paid off. Um, look, the Lord has blessed her life and she's like doing great and it's awesome and, and she is mission focused. And, and now I've, God has been gracious enough. If I hadn't have called off that relationship, I never would have moved to Kansas City. I never could be a part of what God's doing here. I never could be able to understand, taste and see that the Lord is good and he's enough 
right? I'm telling you, I've told you this before. I'm telling you it again. The greatest joy of my life is going all in with Jesus, risking it, right? The last story, I'll tell you this. So we talked about the rich young ruler who went away sad, right? Well, there's also the story of the disciples, Jesus's disciples, right? And uh, when he calls them to be his disciples, to follow him, I love this part of, this, of the story of the Bible. Most of them were fishermen, right? And there's a lot of stories where like they fished all night and didn't catch anything. It's like, maybe these guys weren't very good at fishing, you know? <laughs> but anyway, at one point he calls these guys to follow him. And the Bible says they drop their nets, bam, right at the feet of Jesus and they followed him. And they were so fired up <laughs> that they even recruited other people to come with them. So I wanna ask you again, what is holding you back from dropping your nets, right? And if you're single, you can drop your net more quickly than anybody else in the room, right? You really can. That's part of the gift. It really is. You can chase after God quicker, more swiftly and longer than anybody else because you're not like the rich young ruler. You don't have all that stuff and it's not bad stuff, but you're like the fisherman. You can drop your nets tonight. You can go all in, you can quit your job. I'm not saying you should, I'm saying you could, right? But, but you really can and it's worth it. It's worth it. You can be a part of the greatest relationship of your life and it's your relationship with Jesus. Um, the invitation of a lifetime, the invitation of a lifetime is to be in a relationship with Jesus. Go all in, right? Be a part of a relationship that has no risk of divorce. For eternity, you will be connected to the Father. So don't waste that, don't waste that gift. You can go all in right now, you should do that. So to, to summarize, don't waste your life. Um, you have the gift, more than likely if you're in this room. How are you gonna invest it? Are you gonna bury it in the ground or are you gonna invest it? And then what's holding you back? Paradigm, don't waste your life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that you ultimately are the greatest relationship that we can ever be a part of. Thank you that you love us more than we love ourselves and that you know the things that we need. Um, God, I thank you for just all the people in here tonight. I pray that your spirit would fall fresh on us. Help us not to waste a single moment. God, help us not to be focused on a gift that we don't currently have right now and we may never get, but help us to be focused what you've put in our hand right now, today, tonight, that we'd risk all that is for all that will be. There will be eternity. And if we know you, we'll spend it together, right? Help us to live for that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.